to Reframed, the Power of Perspective podcast, and I'm your host, Carly Merclear. As both a Christian counselor and communicator, I want to equip you with the tools and truths that renew your mind and empower your soul. As we explore popular topics influencing our perspectives, I want to offer practical techniques for reframing unhealthy thinking patterns and provide step-by-step pathways for emotional and spiritual health. You know, this process of untangling our automatic thoughts and attitudes is not always easy, but thankfully God's word gives us instruction on how to reframe our thoughts, renew our minds, and redeem our perspectives in light of the gospel. It is this framework we will use to dispute discouragement, eliminate emotional reasoning, and empower our pursuit of abundant life. So are you ready? Let us explore our current perspectives, expose distortions we have come to believe, and grow deeper in our understanding of God's transforming power. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Reframe, the Power of Perspective podcast. If this is your first time listening, I want to kind of give you an introduction to where we're going to be going today. Over the last several weeks of the podcast, we have been discussing topics related to relationships and mental health and learning how to reframe our perspectives through scripture and communication skills. So we've talked about boundaries and mind reading and the importance of using communication in our relationships. But today we're going to continue this work by talking through one of the most common interpersonal challenges, and that would be learning to forgive. I have entitled today's episode, The Power of Repair, because when it comes to the important relationships in our lives, repairing is one of the most powerful skills we can use to maintain unity, increase intimacy, and build lasting connections in our lives. In a previous episode, I spoke about the root of relational conflict, and I discussed the foundational elements of our family system and how our family upbringing and family of origin truly contribute to our unspoken rules and and relationships. Um, So if you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to listen to that episode. It's called Why Do We Argue? And then come back and and jump into this episode as we're going to really be diving into kind of one area of the idea of reconciliation and repairing and why it's so important for us um, and some skills that we can learn to kind of practice repairing in a more effective manner. And so Although I've touched briefly on this particular topic with conflict resolution and communication, today I really want to dive deeper into the psychological benefits of practicing relational repair and explain maybe what it is, and then provide some practical techniques and ways to foster biblical communication and forgiveness. So let's jump right in and start with the problem we often come to in our relationships. Conflict, hurt, misunderstanding, differing personalities, differing perspectives, right? All of these play a major role in how we interact and repair in conflict with others. If you have been to therapy or have done any sort of personal exploration of your family patterns in some way, you have learned how much our current patterns have been impacted by our perspectives and experiences in early childhood. I always go back there, whether it would be with my clients or in these kind of conversations with people, that we have to look back in order to understand presently what's going on. I think there is a misconception for most of us, if we start with ourselves, um, that when we have conflict or we 
maybe even recognize through self-awareness that we've done something or we have a pattern of behavior that is impacting our relationships negatively, it is really helpful to understand why we do what we do and to give ourselves an understanding and a context for that behavior. Because what can happen is we can internalize our patterns of behavior and even link it to things like spiritual immaturity or our inability to be good at relationships. When in actuality, what's going on internally is a adaptive way to connect with others. And so what we have to kind of do is unravel that way or that pattern by addressing it through the lens of an attachment perspective. And so that's what I hope to do today is first start with understanding why we do what we do, understanding why connection is so important, and repair is a vital aspect of maintaining that connection. By understanding our early connective experiences, we are able to reframe our current functioning and create a foundation for healthy interactions. So I want to take an attachment approach to this topic because it sheds so much light on the aspects of our differences in moving towards or away from conflict and connection. So for those of you that maybe are unfamiliar with the concept of attachment theory and the presence of attachment in your relational patterns, I want to give you a little bit of background. Attachment theory was pioneered by John Bowlby. He was a British psychologist, and he identified this concept of attachment in the 1940s based on his work with children in an orphanage setting. And he discovered the importance of children's emotional bond with their primary caregivers in terms of social, emotional, and cognitive development. So even just identifying these three areas, we can see how fundamentally important healthy attachment is from childhood and impacting our relationships moving forward. You know, the theory does suggest that a disruption, loss, or unrepaired rupture of this bond can affect a child emotionally and physically and psychologically into adulthood. So it has a massive impact on our future relationships. The definition of attachment from the clinical perspective is a lasting psychological connectedness between human beings. And Bowlby described two specific terms that I think are really powerful for us to be able to acknowledge in our own lives. First, attachment system. This is really fundamentally how God created us, and which I think is so profound from a theological underpinning. We are designed with this um, innate knowledge of attachment. And so he talks about the secure attachment system as we see in infancy, where the child automatically seeks comfort from their caregiver to develop a sense of security. In addition to attachment system, Bowlby described the term of attachment behavior to refer to an action or signals of the infant, such as crying, smiling, vocalizing, which usually summon their caregiver, right? And so this helps the child feel calm and safe. These are behaviors seeking the need of attachment and security. Our attachment adapts so that we can maintain our safety in some way, whether that be in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. We all learn how to find that security or that connection. So why is attachment information important in our relationships? 
I believe it's because our attachment adaptions impact our relationships daily. Bowlby speaks to this in some of his research as well. He explains that during the period of zero to two when attachment is formed, children develop an internal working model that shapes the way they view relationships and operate socially. This can affect their sense of trust in others, self-worth, and their confidence in interacting with others. And so applying that to ourselves, we can see how our attachment adaptions and and ability to connect with others and our sense of self, our perspectives, right, can be truly influenced by our attachment experiences. Because we all have been created with an attachment system, which is so fascinating to me, you know, um, from a neurological perspective, attachment, secure attachment is encoded in our DNA. So we are wired. God created us to be wired for security. Neurologically, the number of connectors or dendrites in our brains as children are directly related to the quality of care we've received. Now, if you have experienced an inadequate care throughout childhood and you're listening to this thinking, you know, my brain is therefore not um, as connective, the good news about all of this is that our brains were wired for security and so we can heal those parts of our brains that have been adapted because of our experiences. So if you're a parent listening to this, your ability to connect with your child, your ability to repair healthily with your child is truly going to structure their brain in a healthy way. Uh, And attachment relationships are, therefore, the foundation of positive mental health. And so this goes so deep, and there's so much information that I could share with you. But I just wanted to give you a taste of this information so that we can dive into what it means to repair well and how that connects to our attachment. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So maybe you have been having some interpersonal relationship conflicts. Maybe you have patterns of behavior that create a lot of resentment or challenge to repair, uh, come back together and connect again with your spouse, your loved one, deep friendships that you might have. Um, I don't want you to give in the towel just yet. You know, there is so much um, hope in this particular conversation because we can lose hope in finding or maintaining close relationships, but we really need to start with identifying our attachment style and its impact on our interactions. If we don't have that information, we might continue in these patterns, not really even knowing what they are. And so 
I really want to encourage you to check out a few resources. One is theattachmentproject.com. This will give you a quick inventory that you can take. It will give you a printout of an explanation of that inventory and will give you resources to move through acknowledging what adaptions you might have or what style of attachment you might be operating from. Second is the book by Dana Poole-Heller called The Power of Attachment. I highly recommend this book if you're interested in understanding why you do what you do. Um, It gives some really incredible exercises and secure attachment skills that we all can be working on. And one of the things that Dana talks about in her book that I think is revolutionizing my relationships, and I hope it will do the same for you, is this power of repair. And she talks about how to have and maintain security in our relationships, we have to practice repair, repair, repair. I like to say repair and repeat. Um, And so this fundamental aspect of connectivity is vital for our relationships. So I want to define two things and maybe even help us reframe this understanding of repair in our minds. From a biblical sense, repairing is the act of reconciliation or the process of moving towards reconciliation, which has many steps in it. And in turn, I think we have to acknowledge that we are not in a perfect world, right? And so I think oftentimes we can hope for a sense of false peace. And so we avoid conflict or we avoid having conversations where we express hurt or we receive uh, maybe some constructive criticism on our own behavior or how it impacts someone else in our lives. And we avoid this practice of repairing, of coming to one another in love and communicating our hurts and the challenges that we have. And so as humans we will not always attune well to the needs of others, right? And and vice versa. Those that we love and want to connect with will not always attune perfectly to us. And so this is why repair is such a vital aspect in our relationships. Psychologist John Gottman conducted a study on the impact of repairing ruptures, specifically with newlyweds, and he followed them for six years. And what he found was that those who practice repairing, even just 86% of the time in their conflicts and their ruptures, stayed married, while those who practiced repair only about 33% of the time ended in divorce. What this data gives us is a understanding that if we neglect repair, relationships suffer. Maybe not in ending in divorce, but there is a lot of data to show that our inability to reconnect or our adaptions that cause conflict in our ability to learn how to repair healthily drastically impact the quality of our relationships and our ability to maintain those relationships. There is hope here, though, because research states that 66% of adults are securely attached. And we don't look at this as a, which category do I fall in, but more as a continuum or plotting on a graph. And so you might have a higher percentage of secure attachment, but still have patterns of anxious, avoidant, or fearful avoidant attachment. And so it's important to look into that and identify the categories and the percentages you have. 
But it's also important to note that our attachment style is adaptive, right? And the percentages can fluctuate between relational figures. And so this is good news for all of us because if you are finding that your attachment style falls more towards an insecurity than secure, building healthy relationships can and will strengthen your attachment bonds. It takes practice, right? Dana Poolheller says that we cannot heal in isolation. And this is such a beautiful example of how God created us as relational beings to connect and be in healing relationships with one another. And so, yes, there's fallenness. Yes, there's brokenness. And we've all experienced the ruptures of connectivity in some form or another relationally. But the hope of also the gospel and our intrinsic um, DNA makeup says that we can heal those wounds in some form. And so that's encouraging to me, and I hope it is to you as well. So I want to now transition into this understanding of our framework under the attachment lens and encourage you to do some personal work by taking the attachment assessment and learning how your adoption impacts your perspective and connection and your ability to repair healthily. If you are in a relationship, if you're married or you have close friendships, it will be even more important to learn each other's adaptions, attachments, behaviors that you see reflective of that attachment so that you can support each other in repairing and connecting in a healthy way. So now I want to give just some basic steps um, in what repairing looks like and how we can step into this practice, both from a biblical commissioning seen in scripture and also from an attachment aware perspective. The absence of repair fuels resentment and distrust. And so thinking about maybe even the last time you had a misunderstanding or a conflict with someone close to you, did you drop it? Did you return to the interaction and seek to repair it? If you did not, my guess would be that that specific scenario that has not been repaired is one that you remember, or you may even go back to repeat in one form or another in that relationship. Isn't it so true that oftentimes we can look back in a series of conflicts that we have with people close to us and acknowledge that the same thing is what is causing the frustration in that relationship? And so if we don't repair these things, we will repeat them. And we oftentimes relive our unresolved repairs. I think it's important to note that many of us maybe have never learned to repair. And we have to look back again at our family's rules and roles given to us in our systems and our families of origin that are quite unhealthy. Maybe in your family system, you were told, just don't talk about it. Maybe if you did talk about it, you were punished in some form of way. And so we have, again, these adaptions to specific healthy practices that we have to acknowledge. Um, And they can leave us with a really damaged view of how to communicate our wants and our needs, our feelings and our hurts. But believe it or not, Even in our fighting and in our arguments, like I said before, we are subconsciously seeking repair and reconnection. And I want to give a great example that I use in therapy with a lot of my clients. Say you have a spouse or a friend um, and they say something along the lines of, you never make time for me anymore. 
or your child says something like, you don't pay attention to me. You don't care, mom. You don't care. You know, these are all very, uh, I would say, attachment behaviors. And so when we hear them, though, oftentimes the receiver of that statement, maybe you're the one that said something like that before. The receiving end of that is oftentimes a defense. You know, yes, I do. I make time for you all the time. I've done this and I've done that. Or we say something along the lines of, I'm paying attention to you. Remember that one time I went here, I did this for you. We're trying to acknowledge what our efforts are. But if we look at the underlying message of each of those statements, you never make time for me is I miss you and a desire to have a connection with you. You don't pay attention to me really is see me, love me, attune to me. And so what we can acknowledge in each of these scenarios is that our attachment behaviors often reflect a childlike behavior from either aggressive tantrums or silence that speaks volumes. We communicate in one form or another in a desire to reconnect. Knowing this can be helpful in seeking to repair in healthy and healing ways. When we look back to God's word to understand this process, we see so evidently how God's goodness and grace welcomes us home again and again and again, even in our childlike responses to his will and his ways. He always responds with, come home, come to me, and you will find rest. So I want to give five practical factors that really are going to help create a foundation that fosters reconnection and repair and will really help us in practicing some secure attachment skills if we are functioning out of adaption. Number one, time. Time is a massive factor when we are seeking to repair and reconnect with others. Now we can see this on a spectrum We can use time wisely and we can use it unwisely, right? In Proverbs 12, 18, we read, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So sometimes, if you're anything like me, when I get frustrated, I need a time to stop and recollect and not say every single thing that's coming to mind because I can think really fast and I can say what I need to say, but oftentimes it's not what I really want to say. And so there is a time and place for reconnection. And sometimes I need a little bit of space before I can reconnect, right? And so maybe you fall into that category. But in the other side of that, we can use time as a way to punish or to manipulate a situation. Silence can be very violent. So we have to find the balance here, right? We look at Ephesians 4, 25 through 27 and, and verse 29, it says, You must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs, that it will benefit those who listen. Man, this is such a powerful and challenging practice, but I think the key element here is not letting the days go by when you still have unresolved pain in your heart. 
And so something that he even points to here, Paul says, do not give the devil a foothold. And sometimes if we allow time to go on and on and on without confronting or seeking a repair, we will allow a lot more distortion and deception into our relationships. So be mindful about time. Ask yourself where that time frame is for you. If you need more time to be able to communicate that time, I need time before I reconnect with you, but I really do want to reconnect. I want to make sure the words of my mouth are going to be uplifting and helpful and not harmful when I'm speaking. Number two, second factor is self-awareness. Triggers and tendencies have to be addressed. And I I cannot stress this more because in most relational counseling that I do, specifically marriage or family, we tend to have a one-sided perspective. And in doing so, we may not be aware of our triggers or our tendencies. And so it's important to find common ground, to be able to acknowledge I might not understand where you're coming from, but I'm seeking to understand. And that heart of understanding really is being able to show grace and humility. And I love Proverbs 15.1 on this topic where it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so really taking some time to reflect on you know, what are my triggers and tendencies And maybe what are the triggers and tendencies of those I love? You know, oftentimes the argument that we come into or the conflict that needs repair has nothing to do with what actually the argument was about, right? Most of my clients will say, I don't even remember what we were fighting about. And this happens frequently because it's not maybe even about what is happening above the surface, but what the messages and context is beneath. And so recognizing that for ourselves is really important. And then turning to wonder to ask maybe that for someone else is also important. So in addition to both time and the factor of self-awareness, I think another area we can strive to practice is gaining perspective, perspective of the problem, right? This is what this whole episode is about, is really reframing our perspective about conflict and the purpose of repair in our lives. And this starts with humility and the ability to acknowledge even the 1% out of 100% that maybe we played in the problem. Um, Taking part in that problem creates a partnership and it also allows us to practice conflict resolution and repair as a team and this allows us to acknowledge that conflict in general is common and it's going to happen in Matthew 5 23 and 24 it says therefore if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you leave your gift in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them then come and offer your gift. This is such a helpful reminder that even in conflict where we don't feel like we necessarily did anything wrong or we are maybe on the more secure end of attachment and we're seeking repair, we're you know acknowledging where repair needs to happen, that God's heart for us in relationships over and over and over again in Scripture is to be reconciled, to be unified, to be able to walk this road of humility 
into forgiveness and reconciliation. And I want to caveat this with the perspective also that not every relationship is able to be restored fully. And in certain specific um, relational patterns, I'm not encouraging that connectivity again. You know, there are patterns of abuse and emotional maltreatment in which reconciliation may not occur or be prolonged due to a lack of repentance. And so there is a line here, even within scripture, where we go and we seek reconciliation. And if that repentance is not found, there are times where those relationships need to end. And so there are many of us that maybe have experienced deep losses. And in some sense, we can feel like we made a mistake or we didn't repair well or we didn't seek repair. And sometimes we can seek repair and the other person on the end of that maybe is not receptive to it. And that leads me to the fourth point. One of the factors that is most significant to seeking repair in our relationships is going to be receiving or accepting that repair. And so there's two sides of this coin. You know, if we are seeking repair, and we are in turn receiving rejection, we can accept that and receive that as this person is not ready for repair. Um, I've done my part, right? And on the other side of that, if you're in relationships where someone is seeking repair with you, accepting or receiving and responding to that effort of repair is going to be so vital to the outcome of the relational connection. In Colossians 3, 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with the hearts of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive any complaint you have made against someone else. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. These particular fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about here are so vital to the ability to forgive and they come from seeking Christ and the ability to put on the humility and gentleness of Christ in order to receive and accept forgiveness in order to receive and accept repair from those that we are in relationships with and then finally the last factor that is so vital in repair is going to be what we call ritual Uh, whether this be talk or touch how we seek repair needs to be a practice maybe even a communicated practice that hey when we have conflict let's handle it this way Um, there is really difficult to be angry with someone when you are physically in contact with them so per appropriate contexts maybe holding hands or sitting next to each other on the couch or doing something where you have to be in physical contact and show loving connection again can really help at the end of this process of repairing. Eye contact, physical touch are all very connective experiences and they can really help as a ritual to reconnect and repair in our relationship. So whatever that may look like for you, it will look different for everyone, but create a ritual around repairing and find a practice that helps you feel reconnected to those that you're in relationship with. 
So I hope that these five factors can really help with navigating a pathway to practicing repair and reconnection in our relationships. And hopefully um, with the understanding of our attachment and the way that we've been adapted over the years, we will be able to continue to build upon the secure connections that we have made and also be encouraged that we can start building them today. So I hope that you guys keep seeking unity and know that that is God's heart for each one of us, that we will be unified with him and with one another. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Reframed, the Power of Perspective podcast. If you have enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe and drop a comment. To access more content and to join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, you can visit my website at carlymarcoulier.com. Reframed, The Power of Perspective is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed Carly's episode today, we would love it if you left the show a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. It really does help more people like you find the show. This podcast was produced by me, Kelly Givens, and Stephen Sanders, with executive oversight by Stephen McGarvey. To find more faith-filled, encouraging podcasts like this one, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of million praying moms. And I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.